and welcome back to Basic Bible 101. This is Margie Smith and today's lesson will be number 16 and it's on the life of Samson the judge. As you recall last time we had our lesson together we covered Gideon and Gideon was the judge who was so timid and and uh, uncertain that he would had to ask God several times for reassurance and throughout the fleece as we talked about um, laid the lamb's wool down on the ground to see if dew would be on the ground in the morning or uh, if not and in with each of these tests he was asking God for reassurance and we talked about how, why it's not necessarily a good idea to ask God for uh, reassurance that part of our faith is walking in faith and that Jesus said it's very dangerous to put your God to a test as he said when he was being tempted uh, by Satan. Now after Gideon there were several judges. One, one of them was one of his sons by his concubine. He had 70 sons. Well one of them decided that he uh, his name was Ambimelech. Ambimelech decided that he wanted to rule all of the Israelites. And so he went to the people up in Shechem and said, Hey, I'm kind of one of yours because that's where his mother was at Shechem. Uh, why don't you help me and support me? And then I'm going to go and kill all my brothers. And that's what he did. He killed all of his brothers. And um, one of the brothers, all but one, and one of the brothers escaped, the youngest one, and prophesied uh that Ambimelech would not, um, you know, if he was good for the people, then great, but if not, that the there would be strife between him and the people. And sure enough, in about it took about three years, but the people eventually rose up against Ambimelech, and he was killed when um, a woman in a tower threw a rock outside the window, and it landed on his head. And so he was so horrified by this that he didn't want to be said that, it to be said that he'd been killed by a woman so he um, begged his uh, arm bearer or whoever was with him to go ahead and, and stab him so that he would not be it would not be said that he was killed by a woman so if you recall a few weeks ago when we talked about Deborah how interesting that um, in that story the Sisera the main um, leader of the tribe of the Midianites was killed by a woman too. So we see that there is what shame it was considered to be to be killed by a woman. And uh, we also see that how God could just use whoever he wants and in this case uh, Ambimelech did not survive. After his um, departure there were several years of strife, a couple of different judges and then kind of a little bit of a civil war that went on. And it it's about through all of this that the Philistines develop such a stronghold against the Israelites. Now the Philistines are located along the coastal region. Today when we talk about Samson, remember Samson is uh, well, from the tribe of Dan and that is just north of the tribe of Judah and, and near the uh, Mediterranean Sea. And so it's in this area that the Philistines have congregated and, that's, and they attack from there. And they particularly have oppressed the people of Dan. And so Samson, who we will see, is quite a bit different than our other judges in that he was not timid and he was not considered weak. He was a very manly man. He was strong. He was uh, bullheaded, um, probably more uh, 
strength than brains, I think, because he he stumbles several times in his, um, oh, I guess you would say logic, um, or maybe just moral values, as we will see. Okay, so if you will turn in your Bibles to uh, Judges chapter 13, and we will learn about the birth of Samson, which was quite unique. What has happened is that Samson's mother is out. Uh, she's not his mother quite yet. She has not had a child yet. In fact, she's barren. And she is out in the field, and a man appears to her and says, uh, I realize that you're barren, but you're going to have a, a son, and he is going to be the deliverer of Israel. And uh, when he is born, you need to make sure that you never cut his hair and that the whole time you're pregnant, that you have nothing to drink in the way of grape juice or any kind of grapes or even grape seeds or skins or wine or anything that has to do with the vine. I don't know why I think that's kind of interesting. But if you turn back into the book of Numbers, which we skipped over a lot of these rules and regulations, but number six talks about the requirements for a Nazarite. That's what they were called. Someone who had made a special vow to the Lord. The other Nazarite we hear about in the Bible is John the Baptist, who was also given the same uh, pronouncement, more or less, from birth to be uh, set apart and to be considered... Um, in preparation for the job that they would do down the line. And so Samson's mother is uh, almost mother at this time, was so taken aback, she ran and told her husband. And her husband, not being sure what has gone on, says, well, maybe he'll come back. And so if he does, you come get me. And sure enough, the, the man comes back and sort of uh, affirms what he's already said. And the and she says, please don't leave. I need to go get my husband. And so he comes and, and the angel confirms to him, yes, your wife is going to have a son and that he will be a special child and that you are to set him aside for great work that he will have. And so, uh, let's see, let me get his name for sure right. Um, Manoah, Manoah, I think that's how you say it. Manoah was the father. He says, well, hey, before you leave, let me let me do a little offering for you. So he takes some um, meat and bread and sets it on a little rock. And, and the angel, while the, the um, offering is burning, sort of, floats up into this um, flame and that's when they realize oh my gosh it really was a messenger from God and so they're suddenly afraid and they think they're going to die and then Manoah's wife says you know I don't think he would have come and told us all this if we were destined to die I think that um, you know we we're key to a, a process that is coming about and that God is going to use us in a mighty way which he does so sure enough they have a son his name is Samson and Samson uh, becomes quite a, a tough little guy. And as he grows, he is kept, his hair is never cut, and he is kept from all kinds of uh, anything that comes from the vine. Turn with me to Judges 14, and we'll read some of this. So Samson went down to Timnah and saw there a young Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. His father and mother replied, Isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all of our people? Must you go to this uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me. She's the right one for me. His parents did not know that this was from the Lord, who was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines. For at that time they were ruling over Israel. 
All right, let's take a minute here and realize that Samson has gone to uh, this uh, local area where the Philistines are and has seen a beautiful woman and wants to marry her. And even though his parents say no, he insists on marrying her. Do you think that Samson respected his parents? And I would say in this case probably not or he would have listened a little more carefully to them. But as it turns out, God was at work and so ultimately Samson was following what God had planned and not necessarily what was... Um, if he had been more in tune with understanding his parents, this might have happened a different way. But we see that nonetheless, he his insistence is something that God uses to go ahead and bring about um, a confrontation with the Philistines. Now, it would have been wiser for Samson to have listened to his parents because this ends up being a real heartache for him. And yet, um, like we like I said, God uses circumstances that when we fail or when we make a mistake, God is always at work and he uses those for his purposes. And so during the process of the courtship, his parents are coming with him back down to meet this family. That's the way things were done then and not too different than today. And in the process, he a lot, his parents are a ways up the road and he's a ways back and a lion comes out from the local um, trees or whatever and starts to attack him and he fights the lion and kills it and just kind of throws the body on the side. Now here's something you should know about Nazarites. They were never to touch a dead body of anything. This this was a uh, one of the rules for keeping themselves set apart. And so um, the next time that they're heading down the same direction for the actual wedding feast and the actual wedding, uh, he kind of remembers where this happens and he turns aside and he sees the uh, dead lion's carcass and in it uh, bees have formed a little hive and there's honey. So he reaches in and takes some of this honey and he gives it to his parents too and they're walking on down the road until they get down to Timnah. Well, when they get there and they're having the, the marriage festival, which by the way back then lasted for days possibly a week, a long time. It wasn't just a day or even a couple of days. In our case, sometimes we'll have the rehearsal dinner and then the wedding the next day or whatever. This went on, the celebration for a wedding went on for a week. And so we see that during this time, uh, because none of his friends wanted to go, you know, they're afraid of the Philistines. And not, I don't even know if he had any friends, but um, the, the wife um, the Philistine woman has 30 uh, friends, 30 male friends that she has a sort of assigned to her husband to be his groomsmen. And he tells these guys, since it's expensive to have a wedding, you know, you have to buy all of the bridesmaids dresses or the rent the tuxes. Well, in this case, uh, it was the groom's responsibility to provide clothing for all of the groomsmen. And he says to them, Listen, um, I'm going to tell you a riddle, and if you can answer it, I'll get you all brand new outfits. And if you cannot, then you each have to give me an outfit. And so they agree. And so he tells them this riddle. He says, uh, "What? Uh, let's see, where is it? It's in verse 14 of chapter 14. Out of the eater, something to eat. Out of the strong, something sweet. Well, if you didn't know he was talking about his lion out there, I don't know that you'd ever guess this. But what happens is that um, these groomsmen go to his wife and say, hey, you need to find out for us. What, what is this riddle? And, of course, her loyalties lie with her people. And so she just cries and pouts and throws a fit for the rest of the wedding festival time until Samson finally tells her, okay, I killed this lion and it's got some bees in it and it had 
now it had some honey and I ate some of that honey. And so sure enough, she runs off and tells the groomsmen and the next day they say to him, what is um, sweeter than honey and what is stronger than a lion? So obviously they know. And Samson is so upset about it, he goes out in the night and uh, attacks and kills 30 different Philistines and takes their clothes and brings them back to the to the groomsmen. So it's quite a, an ordeal. Uh, during the process of all of this, the because he's so mad and, and you know, just there's real uh, enmity between the people, the Philistines, and between Samson. In the process of this whole big fiasco, the father of the bride decides that he's going to give her to one of the other best men. And so Samson comes a while, sometime quite a while after the wedding feast, to actually claim his wife. And when he gets there, the father says, uh, we've given her to another, but what about her younger sister? And of course, Samson is so furious at this that his wife has been uh, taken and given to another man that he decides he's going to get even. So he catches 300 fox, ties them together by the tail. This is so cruel, but that's the way they did things back then. Tied a, a torch on the backs of each one of these um, pairs of foxes and lights it and then has them run through the fields of the Philistines, which were all ready to be harvested. So it burns up all their fields. And the Philistines are so mad that they take it out. Instead of taking it out on Samson, which maybe they couldn't find him or afraid of him or what, they go to the family of his bride. They grab the father and the daughter and they burn them. And so we see that at this point, the Philistines and Samson are really at odds with each other. Um, they go to camp, uh, camp right outside Judah or actually in part of Judah and they are getting ready to attack the, the men of Judah. So in order to protect themselves, the, the tribe of Judah comes to them and says, hey, what, what are you doing to us? And they said, well, it's this guy, Samson. And they said, well, hey, we'll capture him for you and we'll, we'll bring him to you. So they go to Samson. They say, Samson, you've gotten us into a world of hurt. And Samson says, well, I'll tell you what, you tie me up. And if you tie me up in a certain way and take me to them, I'll take care of it from there. And so they, okay. And he says, no, here's what you need to tie me up with. And he gives them the instructions. And really what happens is that these, uh, they bind him with with new ropes and what happens is that um, Samson is able to break these ropes, grabs the a, a donkey jawbone which is over on the side of the road and starts killing the Philistines and he kills, let's see, how many did he kill that day? This will be uh, down in the latter part of chapter 15. Um, they have this little saying, they say, with the donkey's jawbone I have made donkeys of them. With the do donkey's jawbone I have killed a thousand men. So the Philistines suffer a great battle, a thousand men at the hand of one man, Samson. So you get an idea of his uh, physical abilities and his the fact that God just used him mightily. Even though he wasn't really what I would call a model citizen, uh, nonetheless, God said, you know, this guy's strong. I'm going to use him for my purposes in this way. In fact, God made him strong for that very reason. All right, we get to chapter 16, and we are in a totally different phase. Samson now has led Israel for 20 years. They were all so pleased with him and that he saved them from the Philistines that they made him their judge. 
and he judges for 20 years. And a day comes, now during this time he wasn't exactly a saint, he visits prostitutes, etc. But there is there comes a day that he decides to go down into Gaza, which of course is right along the coastline, and he sees a prostitute and he decides to spend the night with her. And the people, uh, the Philistines then think, well, hey, we've got him now. And so they surround the house, but he sneaks out in the night. So he, he is not captured. Well, sometime later, he sees a woman, probably along the same lines, named Delilah. Delilah, um, he's just captivated by her, and he comes and spends the night with her several times. And the Philistines find it, the rulers of the Philistines find out about that. And so they get her on their side and say, hey, you need to help us trap uh, Samson so we can kill him. And so Delilah decides, okay, well, I'll see if I can find out the secret of his strength. And so uh, while she's sleeping with him, they say that, okay, we're going to give you 1,100 shekels of silver if you'll find this out for us. And so she, being a good businesswoman, I guess, has decided, well, okay, I can do that. So she pleads and kind of toys with the idea of what is it that will work. And so she says, Samson, tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. Now, I don't know if this was some kind of friendly banter or some kind of a temptation to Samson or what. I think he just thinks he's so strong that he's immune to whatever she might come up with. And so he placates her a little bit and says, well, if anybody ties me with seven fresh thongs, which are like ropes, um, that have not been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. So Delilah thinks, oh, I've got him now. So sure enough, the next night that he stays there, the rulers all hide out around her house, and she, while he is sleeping, ties him with these seven fresh thongs. You know, I could make a lot of comments about thongs here, <laughs> considering their relationship, but I will avoid that uh, just in case there are children listening. Um, but we see that Delilah then says to Samson, um, hey, the, the Philistines are here, and he jumps up, and of course he snaps those ropes like they're nothing, and fights them, and uh, really, in the end, it turns out very badly for the Philistines. Well, Delilah realizes that she's been made a fool of, and so she says it to him. She says, you've just made me a fool. You lied to me. Now, you would think that Samson would say, well, you <laughs> shared the information of my strength with my enemy. But no, instead, he just plays with her as he has and says, oh, don't worry about it. I'll tell you the secret of my strength. So he says, um, if, you, if you use on me ropes that have never been used before, I'll be as weak as any other man. So she thinks, okay, well, new ropes, that's what I'll do. So sure enough, the next night, she ties him up with these new ropes and she says, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But of course, he snaps these and once again is, is able to fight the Philistines and it goes badly for the Philistines. And now we, we see that Delilah is just beside herself. You would think she would be afraid. I, at this point, if I were her, I would be running, knowing that he was really going to kill me. But no, she seems to think she has a lot of control over him. And in fact, she does. And so... Um, Samson, she says to Samson again, oh, you know, you've been just making a fool of me and lying to me. And, and he says, well, if you will weave seven braids of my head into the fabric on the loom and tighten it with the pin, I'll become as weak as any other man. Do you see here how Samson is getting closer and closer to where his strength actually does lie? Um, 
I've always wondered if his strength was really in his hair because that was the appears to be what the um, story says here. But and if Samson thought that, although I don't know how he would know if his hair had never been cut. But he indicates that, well, if you weave my hair into a, this loom, then I'll just be weakened. And so that's what happens the next night. That's what she does. And the Philistines once again come along. Only um, Samson is able to overcome them. And finally, we see that uh, Delilah has just, you know, how, for me, I'm thinking, how in the world could he give her any more chances? And why does he continue to allow her to get closer and closer to the truth about his strength? It's really not too different than when we allow Satan into a, an area of our life and allow him to get more and more control, because that's the way Satan works. He wants all of us, just like God does. And he is going to creep more closer and closer to the heart of whatever it is that will destroy us. So, quite sadly... Um, instead of realizing his danger and getting out of there, he, he thinks that, oh, you know, I am so powerful. I can do whatever I want. God is with me. You know, we need to be very careful about presuming on God because if God has used us mightily in the past, wonderful. But that does not mean that you've been so wonderful and so worthy that you were blessed by God with this special anointing. What it really means is that God is at work through you. And as long as you remain quite aware of that and humble and um, uh, giving the glory to God, it's a great, it's a great uh, setup. But when you start taking God's glory upon yourself as if you're the one that was able to do whatever it is that you were able to do, then God, who is a jealous God, will withdraw his anointing and his power and will step back and say, oh, you think it was you? Well, let's see how you do without me. And this is exactly what happens here. Um, in verse 18 of chapter 16, we see Delilah saw that he had told her everything. Oh, wait, right before that, he says, uh, verse 15, then she said to him, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? Do you love this? It's just so typical of a, you know, you would if you loved me. Now women and men both can hear that and say, what? Is this a conditional love that if I do this, then you will love me? Um, so she says, if you said you love me, then you would really tell me the secret of your strength. So she nags him day after day and prods him until he was just, it says he was tired to death of it. And so he tells her everything. He says, no razor has ever been used on my head. He says, because I have been a Nazarite set apart to God since birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. Okay, a couple things to realize here that Delilah now is aware of his main weakness, of the one thing that she can do. And so sure enough, in the night, she shaves his head. Was his power really in his hair? I think not. I think that his power was in the fact that he had been separated and uh, set apart and um, committed to the Lord and that his hair was a symbol of that. But when she shaved his head, for him personally, the symbol of God's, um, her, his specialness is gone because now he, he is not no longer set apart. He shaved his head. He has broken the vow to God. And in that, God withdraws his power. And sure enough, the Philistines come. They capture him. He is weak as any other man. And they put him in a dungeon. 
And he's in this dungeon for quite a while, and he is, um, they poke out his eyes. He's blind. He's just in a sad state. And all of the hope that had been Israel's, you know, the 20 years of peace they'd had while he was the judge was uh, lost because the Philistines began uh, once again thinking, oh, well, they don't have anyone leading them now. Now we can take advantage of them. So what finally happens at the end of Samson's, um, he somewhat redeems himself. Actually, he does. He, they take him out to show him off because it's kind of like showing off a giant grizzly bear or something that you've captured. And, you know, where, kind of like why hunters take the head of an animal that they've um, killed and put it on a wall. It's kind of like their, their trophy. Well, Samson is a trophy. And so they have this big festival and they're all in this, this temple area that's two stories high and must be kind of like a mezzanine and there's people all around the top floor and then there's plenty of people down on the bottom floor and they set um, Samson uh, bring him out and, and parade him around and he says to one of the servants listen could you just put me where I can feel the pillars and support the temple so that I may lean against them like he's really tired and he wants to show how weak he is he's a very clever tactic um, in this process, he puts his hands against the, t the two um, pillars and pushes them. And in the process, the, the whole upper floor collapses and it collapses upon the lower floor. And so everyone is killed, including Samson. But right before he actually pushes the, t the pillars, he's praised to the Lord. He says, O sovereign Lord, Remember me, O oh God, please strengthen me just once more, and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Sure enough, when he did it and everything fell apart, they Samson says out loud, let me die with the Philippines, and he pushes with all his might, and down comes the temple. Thus he killed many more when he di died that um, than while he was alive. That's the, the last part of uh, chapter 16. So we see the end of, of, of what was a great man as far as strength and what was a little bit of a foolish man when it came to women. Uh, I don't know why. Everybody has a weakness, and Satan knows that weakness, and of course he's going to try and exploit it. But the danger is when you know that weakness and you continue to fall into it and just you know let Satan get a foothold, in Samson's case, the women in his life became his God instead of the true God and we see that he is well for one thing why is he even over in the Philistine territory visiting a prostitute like there weren't any prostitutes in Israel well of course there probably were but being the leader maybe he thought he needed to be good while he was at home and then he could be evil while he was gone I think this is also a danger that when you are not around the people who are holding you accountable and who um, would not permit you to fall into such sin it's easy to think well nobody will know but people always know your sin will always find you out and that's the danger if you don't turn and run away and escape the temptation then you can bet Satan will use it to destroy you we see that in James when he at the very beginning of the book of James in the New Testament where he says you know when you're tempted um, you know, don't say that God's tempting you. You're tempting yourself with your own um, desires and your own selfishness. And you need to flee. You need to run away.
So, okay, so we've seen the lesson of a great man who was used mightily of the Lord despite his um, moral um, poor judgment. And yet at the same time, we, we see someone who in the end realized that only God gave him the ability to do all he did. And that's why he was able to pray, God, if you'll just help me this one last time. So why do you think Samson was willing to give his own life for the death of all those Philistines? I mean, really, he had married one at one time. I think here that you would see that Samson wanted to fulfill his vow to the Lord in the end. I think that once he was blind and in such a weakened state, his hair had grown back a little bit. Perhaps he thought, maybe God will forgive and give me this chance to redeem my good name. What kind of good name it is. Well, which it was, because he did a lot of... Um, a lot for the people of Israel. And sure enough, God was merciful and gave him the strength he needed for his final hurrah. So um, lessons from this lesson. Let's take away some things here. First, when you think your strength lies in your own person, think again. Our, our ability to do anything great comes from God. Second, watch the deceitfulness of Satan. As we've said, don't give him an inch. You know, he will sneak up and destroy you. So be aware and don't give him any opportunity. Uh, third, our life purpose may call us to give up certain things. In his case, he gave up wine. He gave up cutting his hair. Uh, he was set apart. In, and when you think about that, there may be areas of your life that God has asked you to give up for your particular calling. And I don't know what they would be. But whatever they are, know that that is God's way of setting you apart for his purpose. And finally, uh, God uses even the foolish for his ultimate purpose. As foolish as Samson was, and as many times as he screwed up, God continued to use him mightily. And I think that sometimes we forget that people are just that. They're human. And Samson was human. Even though he was strong, he was human. And if we tend to want to judge another believer who may be very gifted and very talented and yet um, messes up, uh, we need to be very careful about uh, judging people for because the truth is we are all simply human. And in, at the end of the day, it's God who did any of the great things that they that have happened through our lives. So for our next lesson, we are going to take a little bit of a break from the book of Judges and skip on over to the book of Ruth. The reason we are is because the chronology of the book of Ruth falls into this time during the time of the Judges. And uh, Ruth is not a judge, but because she lived during this time, it will relate more, um, it'll be easier to understand what's going on with, with the story of Ruth and Naomi. Uh, because we are in this time frame, and you have had the last few weeks to understand what was going on with the people of Israel. After we finish the book of Ruth next week, we will come back to the final judge of Israel, and that is Samuel. He is the one that ushers in the time of the kings, and so after that we will be in the book of the kings. So I want to encourage you to go ahead and read ahead, finish the book of Judges. There are a few other judges that it talks about who are minor judges, and then uh, read through the book of Ruth. Skip over to the book of Ruth. Well, I guess it's right after the book of Judges, so it's right there. So spend uh, just a, a little bit of time. It's only like four chapters to read the book of Ruth, and we will cover that next time. Thanks, and have a great day. Mm -hmm.